to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tom He is Andrew on the board. We have uh, S&P Futures after another big day yesterday. We're to the upside. We can't, we can't, uh, can't wait to go up. We love the CPI number. Uh... Even though we're, I was kind of poking holes in it, especially the part where it was adjusted. Not sure why it's adjusted. S&P futures up 14, NASDAQ futures up 100, Dow futures up 60. Do we have Mr. Lou, Professor Lou? Good morning, sir. How are you? So once you get the idea that you can you can lie to people a little bit, do you ever stop, Lou? Do you just keep pushing it and pushing it? Um, you mean me personally? No, not you personally. <laughs> you either get to the point where you don't, like I don't, and I don't think you do, but once you start pushing it, like our government, um, with all these numbers, why not? Why not just say that there's that the prices are down forty percent? Just tell people some total total BS. Just saying. Uh, well, yeah. So, so the short answer to your question is no. There's there's nothing to stop people from lying consistently and uh, you know even even being called out directly I I hearken back what two or three days to and I don't know if you guys talked about this with Kevin I don't think so to um, the Danish COVID scientist immunologist uh, Christian Anderson not immunologist he's a virologist who was one of the principals on the paper that was cited by Dr. Fauci to show that the the origin of COVID was almost certainly a natural origin, maybe out of the <clears throat> Wuhan wet markets. So, so this guy in front of Congress is is asked a direct question. You know, and the sequence on this is a little complicated, but basically what happened was this Anderson and several other uh, virologists wrote a started writing emails to Fauci about the origin of the virus and, and you know had said look this this looks like it might be engineered and in the first public release of emails and, and then Fauci comes back to them and said we need to have a talk about this and magically 24 hours later with some off the record conversation all three of these guys switch around and say no no it's almost certainly not a, a lab leak that's a conspiracy theory um, this is a this thing has a natural origin so he's questioned about this by the, uh, the House panel on COVID, and and they he said, look, this is the way science works. You know, there were no political implications in this. Science works like this. We we took a position, it got challenged, and then we when we saw better evidence, we changed our minds. At which point, the House committee unveils Slack communications. Slack being a direct message kind of operation reveals slack communications between this guy and these three other other uh, virologists that were involved in this initial determination about the origin of COVID. 
and they all they say things like this is almost certainly coming out of a lab the Chinese were using terrible uh, uh, lab security measures and I can't believe they were doing this kind of research this gain-of-function function research and then the one of them says we, we have to pretty much find that this is a uh, a natural origin because can you imagine the fecal matter show that would erupt if we blamed China so so absolute in his own words clear repudiation of exactly what he was what he was asked and uh, and his answer to Congress that oh no there were no political considerations in here when when the the direct communications this guy had show clearly political considerations they were terrified of, of, of China they were terrified of getting the Chinese well they involved. were terrified the fact that we financed it well well that see I'm not sure they knew that but but fauci certainly did and I think that's I absolutely think that's fauci's motivation for for trying to hide and lying about about the origin was of the he, virus was he but really the but, but these, but these guys chief, chief let me go back to your your thing follow the money these guys received millions of dollars from NIH on their own. And, and when they took this position, within several months of, of reversing their position on this, they, they each received, or the Anderson received something like $10 million in, in funding and doubled his annual compensation. But, but my, to go back to your point, people will lie, our, our political climate is such now that people will lie with no, you know, no qualms whatsoever, because you know nobody, nobody is blast. The New York Times is not blasting this guy's name out into the ether, saying, "Look, this is a lie." Okay, this is a deliberate attempt to mislead. Why? Why is, the, why is the question? Because, because I, I think because the New York Times is staffed by Democrats. And and you put this. Not, I mean, this it's not a, the like the Republicans are, are truth mongers. Uh, I'm. Uh, that has nothing to do with with the question you just asked. You asked why the New York Times was. I doing mean, this. I'm saying why the New York in general, Times is staffed by the only explanation I could come up with. with but when, but when, you're a journalist. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't what difference make with your Democrat or Republican? You're a journalist. Of course, of course, it matters. The journalist. It you, you asked me the question. Yeah, I understand. But I mean, I, it's, I, I continue. I continue to be frustrated by this over and over again as to why mainstream and corporate media are are taking positions and burying stories like this or the Hunter Biden laptop story. And the only reason I can come up with that is consistent is that these folks are Democrats and they are promoting a Democrat party line. And that's the only thing that I can see that consistently drives their news coverage. And that's what drives this news I, coverage. I'm gonna... I'm going to say that this is the, probably the one major, <clears throat> because in terms of, of uh, individual policies, a lot of what a lot of the, the more people to the right of me on the show have, I agree with really a lot of what you, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, it's, I'm, that's why I'm in the middle. I agree with like half of, on one side or half on the other. But I, I'm now that I, I don't know, I've gotten so, I don't know, I won't use the term, uh, I don't, know what, I don't know what the term is. You're the attorney. Jaded. Jaded by this whole mess that whatever side the money's on, that's where these people are going. And what and what ends up happening is... Oh, oh no. For, for, for this Christian Anderson dude, I agree. You're, I think you're absolutely right on this. His, his pecuniary interests were tied directly to his position 
on where the, the virus came from. I'm talking about the, we, we were talking about the New York Times coverage or, or CBS's coverage or the LA Times or the Chicago Trib. Their coverage is, at least as far as I can tell, and this is the only reason I can, the only way I can come up with a consistent explanation. They are staffed by Democrats. They but, are promoting I, I the Democratic it, I think, Party narrative. I think it's totally a, uh, out of Casablanca, it's Vichy. <clears throat> the winds of, are coming from Vichy. I don't think any newspaper right now since since the the people who read them, you know, and, and I think maybe a lot of all of us, <clears throat> you're the one who's willing to pay for his news. Nobody else is, Lou. Nobody, no. I almost said you pay a quarter for a newspaper. They're not a news. They're not a quarter anymore. But nobody's willing to pay for it. If, if you were to say, here's a group that's going to give you independent news. By the way, it's going to cost you five hours a month to read it. Nobody does it. The so the the political wins. I I would. You look at the Chicago Tribune. <clears throat> it's like it's about as big as the Observer was at Notre Dame, for God's sake. That's yeah. no newspaper anymore. There's no money there. There's no advertisement. There was no independence. There's nothing. There's no reporters. I mean, you know. So, so let me let me ask you. Let me take this this thing off and, and go in this other direction, and, and move it to something that's local for you in Chicago. The Pat Fitzgerald situation, which now gets me into my sports. Segment okay, but let me the, give me. Let me say one thing. Is I want to talk to you about that. The difference that I see is, is my life has gone further a little. The difference I see right now is that, I mean, I've, I've been trading the markets for a long, long time before I went on the trading floor. And I, the, there always was a money shtick to this. I mean, you and I know there was the <clears throat> military industrial establishment, there's this kind of stuff. But there's never this in the face uh, people in government trading. People, every piece of leaked, leaked information trades. The, the market fabric sucks. If something's running up, all the sellers get out of the way because there are only a few sellers. There's no, there's no uh, book like a New York Stock Exchange specialist book. There's nothing like that. So yesterday, when the, when the CPI comes out, the percent change from May to June was 0.3%. Somebody adjusts it down to 0.2%. Now the Expectation was 0.3 percent. You know, I don't know what the market would do, but I'm going to say if the same guy would have said, "Eh, it's not 0.3, it's 0.4," I'll adjust it up 0.2. We'd have gone the other way, but we didn't. Now the question is, did this guy leak that? Did he trade ahead of it? I, I don't trust these people. I think they're all trading all day, Lou. I, I think there's a hope. I think that the we are we got a bunch of crooks out there. I honestly do. Congress and every place. They, they should not, these numbers should be sacred, and, that, and that's your job, and that's it. And I, 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 we're nowhere near that. We're nowhere near, you can't believe in a word any of these people say. It doesn't matter whether Republicans or Democrats. I don't think. I mean, with the newspapers, I think that the, the guys... But the newspapers, the newspapers are staffed by a, in a, in a, a sort of a, a lockstep mentality staffing. Well, some of your and colleges... They're, they're all young people. They're, well, every, no, everybody's no, this a big. John Cash just retired. Well, yeah. These papers are on. Mike Royko wouldn't get a job today, would he? I don't think so. Uh, the, the the and if you want to read, there's a woman named Batya Sagar. Uh, dumped her last name. She is a uh, editor at Newsweek, but she's written a book um, that I that I read a while back about how journalism has changed. And the and the class nature of journalism has changed from 
a working class blue collar kind of profession that drew very literate people but but from um, you know from from a, a much broader spectrum of American society journalism has moved from that to an elite occupation staffed almost exclusively by the graduates of elite schools who are progressive and in their outlook and and this permeates well, every okay and I, I don't I'm not gonna disagree but what I will say this is you know I always come about this you that's why it's so much fun talking to you you come up from a very legal point of view I always come up from an economic point of view if we had four newspapers in Chicago again that were competing you wouldn't have this but you're not going to get four newspapers I anymore. Don't. You know why? Because they'll all say the same thing. Well, I don't, I don't think they would. As I'm saying, oh, yeah. I, don't, oh, yeah, they I would. don't think they would. Not if they were independently owned, they wouldn't. But it, it, that has nothing to do with it. You're not. It, it's not the independent, independently owned issue. It's how you staff them. Well, and but you're not going to be staffing them with a broad spectrum I, of I, political, I of think political that if viewpoints. You, I think that if you get somebody, was it Zuckerberg owns the Post? Was it Washington Post? Uh, no, it's uh, Bezos. Yeah, what, whatever. What's yeah? What's the difference? Zuckerberg. Be- the these people, have, they are so tied up. Their head is so far up the ass of government. In these big big companies, they are. They are. This is the this is the fascist mentality, Lou. Well, he's not. I, he's not going to criticize. You're not going to get any argument from. He's me, not. But, but I'm but, saying he he is he is not going to come out like I would today and say what manner of moron says that hospitalization was down 25 percent last year. Where, I mean, how could you how can you publish that with a bare face? Yeah, and yet, yeah, no, I I I understand. But I'm saying, you know, these, these, but these he is, he, his agenda is to protect his company. His, the only way his, to protect and his company is so big. Microsoft yesterday they get they get some decision that they they can, they can buy this other place. How big do we really want Microsoft, Lou? Do we want them owning the entire company, the country? I mean, what we don't. Every time. Well, it, 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 let, let me let me jump because you you've, yeah. you've buried you've buried about ten concepts there. Well, that, well, I'll that. tell you what; those will, those will kick. Why don't you uh, drop back to Fitzgerald here? I don't know if you heard Kevin's. <laughs> All right, well, you saw his stuff that he sent about the chairman and how what a horrible job the guy's done with this whole thing. But well, yeah. So so I I was well, the, the reason I was raising Fitzgerald is I was asking how the Fitzgerald story was being reported. By the by, the Tribune because they're, they're behind a paywall. Um, I mean, are they screaming? Are they screaming for a scalp? I have not. I actually I get the Tribune online. I haven't read it about. I've just been reading stuff people have been sending me. I mean, I mean the the situation that I look at with Fitzgerald, and I noted by the way, he's hired our, our buddy Dan Webb. Yeah. Uh, who you know is is you know Dan Dan I think ought to be wearing a fireman's a fireman's outfit. You know, if there's if there's a fire. He's he's the guy, you know. You, well, he you, also you pick, how much how much how much traction did Big Jim Thompson and Dan Webb get for putting a governor in jail? Neither oh, one of them maybe yeah. deserved to be put in jail. They set their whole life up for doing that. Well, and 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 you know, Mr. Webb is a Mr. Webb is a very good lawyer. He's a he's a a good solid. You know, he knows he knows the courtroom. He knows the judges. He knows the yeah. He, he's a he's a very good lawyer. Uh, I just think it's interesting that that Fitzgerald, you know, brings him in on this. This is a, and the way they're couching this is a public relations thing. I mean, I mean, well, I th- I think Northwestern, you know, has got 
maybe a perception issue. I don't know about a legal issue because I, I haven't seen Fitzgerald's contract, but the kicker here is that Northwestern runs this investigation of this hazing incident. They, By the way, my, my sources tell me the lady who ran it is ridiculously awful. This would not this would not surprise me, but but they they run the investigation. The investigation shows that these guys, these players, were engaged in hazing individual players. And as I understand it, the act, the act of hazing that they were doing, and it's only one that I've seen alleged, is pinning guys to the ground and dry humping them. You know, grabbing guy and dry humping. By the way, Kevin says the trip does not have a Northwestern beat reporter. That doesn't surprise me a bit. No. How is that? How is that possible? How is it possible you have a Northwestern wants to be so separate from the city? The city says, "Go ahead." I mean, they they want to be a place up there that you can't get to. Always have been. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. In in this case, in this case, it may have it may work against them, but you have this one incident of, of hazing that's alleged, and or, or one one type of hazing that's alleged. It, it the investigation that they that Northwestern relies on to make its decision uh, says that the coaching staff didn't know about it. It says they were in a position to know about it, but that they didn't. And then, and then Northwestern takes the report, takes precipitous action, you know, you know, and, and basically says, "Okay, two weeks suspension." Oh, and then, and then changes its mind. And and really, you know, the kicker, and 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 Mr. Webb points this out. I was I was looking at his comments on this. The kicker is that Northwestern does not identify anything else that. Um, you know that that's come to light in the, you know, in the terms of the investigation or in terms of what they what they found since they made the two week suspension deal, they they gave Fitzgerald an oral assurance that that this was the end of it. They weren't going to do anything further than suspend him, and and then they turn around and fire him, and with no new information, at least according to what I read. So. This is this is the classic employment law issue, you know. You you sit down when when you get a situation like this, and I've I've investigated probably twenty cases like this in terms of, of high level, you know, corporate malfeasance where they want to they want to take the company wants to take action against somebody, and and you run the you run your investigation, you make your findings, and and then you go to the company, and and at this point, you know, the company says, what do you in some cases, they ask me, "What do you think we ought to do?" And I said, "Well, you know, here's here's what I think is a sort of an acceptable range of punishments. If you go to the low end, and that's that's what they did with Fitzgerald's or Northwestern did. Well, if, you if, you, if, the, you, if you're willing to say that the guy didn't know anything about it, how can you be anything other than the low end? Well, well, because the nature of the there, there's you should have known." He should have known. Yeah. That's right. And 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 it happened on your watch. Not to mention you know? he went to school there, so he and he was an assistant there. I think he knows. Well, irrespective of whether yeah. whether he knows or not, the idea is that he should have known, and and you can and you could tag him, or the idea that you're going to go to him and say, your program, your you know your circus, your monkeys, oh yeah, and and you're you're fired, versus go the the opposite at the low end. And I said, if you go at the low end. We all have to sort of commit that we're going to weather whatever storm 
rolls up as a result of, of giving what we think is a slap on the wrist or what might be perceived as a slap on the wrist over some fairly serious conduct. Kevin says that the and, student newspaper reported new information. I don't know if it was in the report or not, two days after the guy came out with the suspension. I, I saw I saw that there was something like that. And I mean, the question is then, you know, you look, you go back to your investigator and say, is this, is this new? And the investigator may say, I mean, I remember saying this in one of my case, one of my situations, I heard rumbles of this, but I never substantiated it. I never got anybody on there. And it's noted in the report that there were rumbles of this, but they were never substantiated. And I, I never saw anything definitive. The problem, the problem is the paper, the paper and these kids that the paper talks to can say anything. And, and, you know, without, without corroboration and without further investigation, you, you can't, you, you, you know, you can't validate it and you, and it's, and you certainly shouldn't be making a decision off it, off of a newspaper report. So, well, but so, it, it, whoa, whoa, we got to go to break here, but this is, Lewis, the new world. This is the court of public opinion. Well, well, and that's that's what I mean. You have to sit down with your people and say, can you weather this? Can we tolerate the blowback that's going to come on this? And and you look at the entire report, and you 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 make a, an assessment as a, as a as a lawyer advising them. You make the assessment: Are there other stories that are out there that that might come up? What did you? Well, here's what my investigation found. I talked to X, Y, Z. I talked, you know, I talked to 50 players. Was there one guy who sat out there who might be disgruntled and run to the student newspaper? Okay, that's fine. You want your investigation to be comprehensive enough so that you could say, look, I heard those rumbles. I couldn't substantiate them. We, we, you know, we talked to the people that this kid talked to. There's, there's no indication this was the case. And so, and so, Let's let's go with that story. This is part of weathering the storm, and Northwestern wasn't able to do it. wasn't willing to do it. Let's go to break here because we come back. This is, I think, this is real key. It's the same subject as the Fauci stuff. It's the same subject as Wuhan. It's the same crap. This this sort of bizarre court of public opinion where you can hide behind all this stuff and never tell the truth anywhere. It's it's crazy. S and P futures now fourteen. Nasdaq is up ninety four. Be right back. will make you wealthy. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe, Andrew on the board, Professor Lou with us. We got we to we do the market here, but I got this thing from uh, Lou, these naked chin-ups. Um, I'm not so sure, I don't think I can really do any chin-ups today. You think I should try one naked? I don't think my clothes are that heavy. I don't think the club is ready for that, do you? Me doing a naked chin-up or trying? I think I think maybe I'll, I'll forget that. Uh, who, is doing, who is doing naked This is one of the hazing things. One of the, that and the car wash. These are the individual hazing episodes that somehow yeah. were all confidential, and now everybody knows about it. This, I don't want anything to be confidential, boy. Talk about telling. So this, this has been this has been going on since what 2005. I I, I imagine. Let me, let me do this first. I, sure. SP futures up 15. Nasdaq futures up 100. Dow futures up 57. All we do is go up, which is fine. You know, is we just keep telling everybody how good everything is. Uh, kneecap 475, 1.5%. Hang Seng up 49. 2.6%. They're back over 19,000, 19,350. That place has either got to be the world's greatest place to trade if you're if you're on the sine wave or the worst place if you aren't. <laughs> Boy, it's it, it just one way up, one way down. Shanghai up 41.3%. So, um, so the U.S. inflation, this this little adjustment from 0.3 to 0.2, Lou, whoever did that made people wealthy all over the world. You're saying. DAX up 92.6%. FTSE up 35.5%. Kakaron up 59.8%. Uh, easy money. Yesterday, like I said, we had a big day. Dow was up 86, S&P up 32, NASDAQ up 158. Uh, so it was our biggest closing high since April 22. 
uh, bands. Back down to 3.82 after hitting, that's down four basis points after being 4.6 last week. That's an amazing move. Uh, Bun, down nine, down nine basis points, 2.45. Japan on change at 0.47. We've got oil up 5 cents, 75.80. All of a sudden, this stuff is creeping up again. Uh, with the inflation supposedly muted, all this stuff's going up. Uh, Brent up 16, uh, uh, 16 cents, 80.27. Natural gas down a penny, 262. Our Bob unchanged, 267. We got gold, which had a big run up yesterday, up to 19.63. Up another 210 today. Silver up 18 cents, 24.49. Biggest rally in gold in a while. Copper up four cents, 389. We've got Bitcoin up 260. I'm sorry, 236 to 30,549. And the U.S. dollar, as you might expect, is getting pummeled. Uh, the euro is up to almost 112, and the pound is almost up to 131. So the U.S. dollar is getting pummeled in this. It all kind of just works together. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, it is a uh, 6:38 here in Chicago on Thursday, July 13th. Uh, Starting off with some sports. uh, No baseball yesterday, but we got some games to look forward to today. The White Sox are playing the Braves at 6.20 p.m. And here in Chicago, the Cubs are going to be playing the Red Sox at 7.05 p.m. It's not till Friday. Whoops. Oh, did I say tonight? Whoops, I meant tomorrow. Yeah, you get, you get an, extra right. day, an extra day after the All-Star break, no. <laughs> yeah, so nothing today, but that's uh, tomorrow. Those games will be happening, along with uh, the Diamondbacks playing the Blue Jays at 6.07 p.m. Now over to Chicago. Weather is currently 66 degrees. we got cloudy skies. We're going to have a high of 78 today uh, and a very, very slight chance of rain. Looks like highest is about 8%, and that'll hit around 7 p.m. Over in Phoenix, uh, they're still in an excessive heat warning. Uh, they're currently at 94 degrees. They're going to have a high of 110 today. And that's going to hit around 5 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, a little bit all over the place today. Uh, we have, of course, our regular inbound uh, expressway traffic, uh, but accidents to make note of is that on the Eisenhower, an accident is blocking the left lane uh, right before Des Plaines Avenue, and that's stop-and-go traffic uh, for delays of about 20 minutes. Um, and also, there's an uh, near the loop, uh, there's an accident on the exit ramp that's on the Dan Ryan. Uh, let's see, that is uh, uh, at, at I-55. Uh, there's an ex- uh, crash on the exit ramp is closing that and causing some delays over there. And other than that, looks like that Kennedy construction is causing some delays. It always does. But that seems to be all. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Um, Lou, before we get started back in, every once in a while I just have to look at these headlines and I know my economic background just screams here. PepsiCo beats earnings estimates, raises full-year outlook, even as higher prices hurt demand. Um, okay, what, what, what should you make out of that headline, and what's wrong with that headline? Well, it seems inconsistent if they're not selling if they're not selling as much of their product as they were, that their economic outlook would be positive. They've been able to raise prices higher than the decrease in... First of all, it's not demand. Demand is a curve. If the prices go up, you have a decrease in quantity demanded that's still on the curve. The demand is if the entire curve shifts. Now, I don't want to get that technical, but I just did. Okay. Uh, but, that makes sense. But what, I, the, the point here is, and this is what, Lou, you've been on the show for a long time. One of the themes is you can't let these firms... Every every area become a cartel, become a fascist thing like you're talking about. Every area become a cartel because one of these days they get the idea of 
maybe they don't even realize it early on how much pricing power they actually have. And once you get in a situation where you've got the auto dealers saying, we don't care if we sell 20% less cars, we raise the prices 30% or 40%, now you've got a real problem. And I think we have a societal problem right now that nobody can afford a car. The the automakers don't care if you buy one or not. Because guess what? Some other mutt is going to pay $100,000 for a Jeep, and I'm making more than I ever did, and I don't care if I sell half as many because I'm making three times as much. Once you get to that stage, you got a problem as as a society because nobody gets to start out in the soft drink business now the way it is. There's never going to be another Pepsi or Coke, is there? I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't, it's like the beer companies, you know, the way it is now, even if you think you have all these beers, go in the store, they're all distributed by the same person. It doesn't matter who makes it, right? Anyway, let's get back to the other stuff. We can talk about that forever, but I, I wish people would be somewhat more accurate. The demand isn't up, the quantity demanded is up. Why, why can't people, that, that's basic economics 101, why can't we say that? Well... And I, again, I don't want to chase off down this rabbit hole. The no. short answer is that our, you and I have talked about how how uh, incompetent economics education is in this country, yeah. and that and that one of the basic things that you used to come out of high school with was sort of an understanding of the sort of basic principles like this. Well, yeah, but, uh, but anyway, get but back to the we're skipping, but it's anymore. the same but look, subject. Let's, let's, let's like Kevin, the same Kevin just tweeted in that this was all going on when when Fitz was an assistant. Same stuff. So it's yeah. been there since he was a, a yeah. player, and, and so and so and so we're only hearing about it now, uh, which I think is interesting. Um, but but again, my point. So so what you know what a what changed? Because conceivably this was this was you know within the within the scope of the university president or the athletic director or or you know the the marketing people. Somebody, somebody outside of uh, the coaching staff would have would have known about this and would have known that this stuff was going on. I, I find it I find it remarkable that it's just coming to fruition now. But but let let's go back let's go back to well, our look, wait, real quick. You think there's a I don't know because there were never any fraternities in Notre Dame. Is there some combination between the football team and or are they all in like two fraternities or something? Uh, well. You know, any of these football programs work hard to make their players think that they're elites that, you know, really are sort of outside the scope of the normal university operation. All of these programs do. Okay. Um, even the service academy programs do. And and so you do have a problem. It's possible for you to get this kind of uh, siloed information uh Situation where nobody outside of the program talks about this stuff, and nobody outside of the program, you know, is following up on it, and and probably most importantly, nobody outside the program is is examining what's happening and saying, I don't think we ought to be doing this. Um, I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't know all the particulars, and and I don't, I I just look at this from the perspective of. The decision making at Northwestern, where you you get this report, and you don't get any, you know, according to to again, I'm going off of Mr. Webb's assessment that there was no new information that that has come out upon which Northwestern based its, its decision to terminate Fitzgerald rather than simply suspend him. Well, there's a million opinions, and a, and a, and a chairman with a, 
a, a spine of spaghetti. Well, and that 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 and and that goes back again to the decision making process that I I referenced earlier. When when I would do one of these investigations, a lot of times the company the client would come back to me and say, "Okay, this is your finding." what do you think we ought to do and part of the what do you think we ought to do is to say let's let's do a a thorough consideration and gaming of if we do x then then what do we think y is going to look like and we're going to do it from a worst case scenario so that when when y the worst case situation happens we can say we thought about that we considered that Here's our response, and and we're not changing our minds. Um, it it I just I just wonder, you know, and Kevin has a, and you have a much better handle on this. I just wonder if a couple of major alumni donors picked the phone up and said, "We can't, we can't stomach this." Well, it, the fact it, that he was it, one in eleven might have came into it too. I'm sorry. The fact that he was one in eleven might have come into it too. Well. I'm sure it did, but but I mean, the guy's an icon. There, you know, a guy who played there, a guy who was an assistant coach there, becomes a head coach, takes the team to the Rose Bowl, turns a program that was a joke when I was playing football in college. Um, you know, from from a, the joke of the Big Ten, turns them into a winning program that that people had to watch out for. You know, they they had a terrible year last year. I I get it, but um, you know, the, the, this guy's an icon. You don't you don't just toss. I don't see those out. guys. Totally different subject, but just one because I have a, a, a real serious question for you. Uh, I don't think they're going to play well with this NAL stuff. Uh, probably not. But Mike, I, but we you know when we talk about we try and bring up questions regarding reporting, okay, and we postulate answers and you and I you know banter back and forth about who's causing what I don't know who's causing what Lou but I tell you something something is really weird something really there's a stench to this um all of a sudden yesterday now I would say that if well you have status I mean I don't other than being a, a money manager and stuff uh I I don't have nobody's going to publish anything I do nobody's going to go out of their way to, to take even something I say intelligent on the air and, and broadcast it somewhere, and nobody gives a crap about me. Or, or you, really, but you maybe more than me. Uh, all of a sudden yesterday, you know, six uh, faculty, one, one of the ladies in anthropology, who gives a bleep about, you know, I mean, she's probably terrific, she knows her stuff, she's probably a terrific person. Her opinion is, you know, what, 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 what's her name say, uh, uh, Burnett? Opinions are like... Like, like bottoms, everybody's got one, and they all stink. I mean, uh, all of a sudden now, this all they're talking about this letter from six uh, people that uh, the stadium now we should really pause on the stadium planning and construction and blah blah blah. It's time for a pause on the whole thing. And all of a sudden, there's a letter from somebody else, then somebody else. And I'm listening to News Radio 78 yesterday, and they got some lady on there who lives a block north of the stadium in Winnetka or someplace, and says. Uh, Hey, you know, uh, they're going to have concerts there, and it looks to me like the stage might be pointing our way, and we're only a couple blocks away. And everybody knows that that kind of sound is harmful to your health. How, how the bleep does a station let her say something like that? Who, who has proven to anybody that three times a year, listen to a concert from three blocks away when you can close your windows, is harmful to your health? health? 
I mean, it, there is a momentum here from somewhere, Lou. And if all well, of a sudden you, uh, you okay. and I were to say the stadium's the best thing we should do, we're not getting published today, or we're not we're not getting interviewed. No. Who, I mean, no. who decides because, which because, way we're going looking, on this? They're, they're they're look well, they're looking for clicks. But let me let me tell you that you're not. That there's a lot of very wealthy and connected people in in Winnetka and in in Evanston around that around that campus, and and they are not. You know, they see an opportunity and they're organized. They see an opportunity to respond. Let me give you a case study that I was personally involved in. In the in the 1990s, um, the law firm that I worked for at the time was involved in buying up very quietly 3,000 acres just outside of Manassas, Virginia. And and we we were it was done very quietly. Was that, it was, that near Washington? Yes, okay. yeah, right outside of Washington. Okay. So, so yeah, Bull Run. It's where the Bull Run battlefield is. Okay. So, so all this this this, this purchase goes on very quietly, and then it is revealed that the the the, per, the client for whom we were doing the purchasing was the Walt Disney Company, and Disney was going to put a theme park, a brand new ground up theme park, and all of the supporting requirements, things like new roads. They were actually, there was actually a, a condition built into the contract or into the agreement with the state of Virginia to, to approve this thing and get this zoned properly for Disney to pay for an extension of the Metro from... Um, oh, I well, remember that, I remember that. Yeah, at the time it was Vienna going out there. So, and it was gonna be this, you know, American historical theme park. So the land is purchased, all hell breaks loose because the landed gentry out there, their nightmare was what they envisioned the average Disney goer looking like coming into that area where they had their they had their horse farms, they had their large landed estates, and they did not want the hoi polloi of America storming out of Washington DC and, and coming down to, to go to this to go to this park. No real quick so, question. They they went and just purchased the property. They didn't get some huge area condemnation like they did for this. The city gave to these people here in Chicago. Or they, no, they had no, no, no help. No, no, no. They actually went and purchased no, no. the they, stuff. They purchased the land from individual landowners. They went through. They bought it all. It was all done on the up and up. So then, so then it starts because because the real reason that people didn't want that state or want that that park there is they did not want their property values affected. They did not want their um, their quality of life spoiled, and it was a it was a class in many ways a class thing. But nobody wanted to say that. So then it starts. Somebody the the, the campaign starts. This is going to be right on the the border of the Manassas battlefield, and it will desecrate this sacred site from the Civil War. That was the first argument, and and I I remember somebody making this to me, and I was said, Have you ever been up there? Do you, do you know that that like there's like four Mexican restaurants that sit right outside the Manassas Gate, the Manassas or the the Bull Run Battlefield Gate. It's surrounded by by apartment buildings and shop strip malls, and and the idea that Disney, which is going to be, you know, some distance away, is quote desecrating this holy site unquote is is nuts. It's already commercialized. This is this is going to be a big commercial development, but it's going to be done in an intelligent way, rather than in a coordinated way, rather than this piecemeal, 
you know, Don Pablo, the restaurant, the restaurant I was thinking of was a Don Pablo, which was a, a Mexican chain on the East Coast, you know, then a, then a Don Pablo kind of kind of style. So that was the that was so the they, first. So they were actually buying property, but not options. They were they were were if they got enough of them, they'll all close. They were just buying one and keeping it. Even they else owned no. so so yes, they owned the property. So that started, and then it started that they were gonna that there was gonna be you know a bunch of pollution issues. So they got the environmentalists involved, and I mean all of this, all of this had been studied, all of this had been put together. End result, <clears throat> end result. Disney and oh, and then the Senate got into the mix. The U.S. Senate on a state law issue like this, and the governor of Virginia didn't have the sense to tell, to, to to stand up and say, "Butt out! This is a local issue; doesn't affect you at all." So, the end result was Disney finally said, "You know what? This is we're being we're being subject to an attack of the stupids. So, so we're not we're not going to do this anymore." You know what they did with the three thousand acres? Well, the, the people, so the people who had the stuff, they're already gone, right? Yeah, Disney owned it. Disney owned it free and clear. You know what they did with it? No idea. They sold it to the Boy Scouts of America for, I think, a buck. Really? Yes. What, what happened to all like the houses and the swimming pools, all the stuff that were there? Well, there were no houses and swimming pools. This was all undeveloped land. Oh, okay. Almost all right. exclusively. Okay. Right. They okay. sold the whole 3,000 acres to the Boy Scouts who turned it into a nature... How the hell could something in Manassas, Virginia be undeveloped? It, it In the 90s, that area was horse country. It was ro- kind of a lot of rolling farms and an undeveloped area. And, and you know, transportation was a freaking nightmare to get into the city so so you didn't commute from out there okay or if you if you did you commuted by helicopter um you know the 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 metro did not extend to Dulles airport uh, i mean it, it it was a it was a very different kind I remember, of I remember that the, the metro didn't go to the airport which is pretty crazy yeah so so you know all of that in, in any event the point of it the, the point of it is this kind of nattering campaign basically the people who are opposed to this Simply go out and they beat the bushes for every stupid objection you can find. But that's whether, how's that, how is it? How is that not just unfortunately part of people? I mean, one of my best friends, uh, Bill Murphy, was a, one of the big big guys in the Ranch Triangle, which is by me. I mean, it's an area of the city, and there's a Ranch Triangle. I don't know what they are. What do you call like a neighborhood board or something? They're not they're not elected yeah. or anything. He goes, there were a couple of guys on there. He goes, after about eight meetings, I just said. Don't say anything. I know. I know that your vote is no. <laughs> Whatever it is, somebody could give us a million bucks, and the vote would be no. Don't accept it. It should be a million five. There's going to be people. That's what they do sure. now. I mean, it's the, the key. The key is the key is that if you're opposed to a project like this, if you're opposed to Pat Fitzgerald staying on as as coach of Northwestern, you start reaching out and hooking in every stupid objection you can find. The idea is to confront the decision maker excuse me, the decision maker, in this case, the, the Northwestern president, with, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Well, wait a minute. We want to get this stadium built. If Pat Fitzgerald's here, we're not going to get the stadium built. Wait a minute. The stadium's got a noise issue. Wait a minute. The stadium's got a traffic issue. Wait a minute. They're, they're, going, to be, they're going to be helicopters flying overhead. Wait a minute. There's going to be this hot air plume coming yeah. out of the stadium that's going to contribute to climate change. I mean, you, you, you generate... you. It, the anti-stadium forces will generate as much, you know, chattering as they possibly can 
to, and, and this Pat Fitzgerald thing is going to be part of it. Well, I, and, I, I honestly... But, but to go back to the original yeah. decision, Northwestern has to be able to sit, to, to, to stand up and say, this was part of our investigation. We saw it. It couldn't be corroborated. You know, there is no new information here as far as we're concerned. The two-week suspension stands, and we're going to move forward from it. End of discussion. And and if they want to run out and get, you know, 30 guys who say that, that you know, Pat Fitzgerald appeared in a Satan mask, you know, naked and, and dancing in front of the fire before before home games, okay, fine. We understand that. We heard about that, but but nobody can corroborate it. And so and so that's all you gotta that's do is, the way you approach it. Yeah, but what's corroborated now? You get a tweet a tweet feed from somebody, there's no corroboration. Everybody believes it right away if it's something you want to believe. It it that's that's true, and that's why Northwestern has to go back to its investigator and say, Did you know about this? Did we consider this? Was this part of the recommendation? They'll do that, and they, they should be doing that analysis. My point is, the analysis of all of that needs to happen before you announce the penalty. I, I, I am. Uh, I, I'd like to back up on this a hair. We don't have much time, but I mentioned this with Kevin yesterday. When you become chairman of something like that, or whatever, I keep calling him chairman like it's a, but whatever, whatever they call a guy who's in charge of the place, the university, the president. Yeah, you you have to. Uh, I, th- I think you have to have some sort of a. You know, I, I, when I say this, I, I keep thinking of Father Hesper. You knew what the guy, his opinion on something was going to be before you even asked him. I mean, he had a, he had a moral background to him, and this, this guy's been there a year. I, I will bet, I'll bet you a, a, a Diet Coke that it's not the first hazing sort of thing that's crossed his desk since it's a big, you know, it's a big uh, a Greek place. And I'm going to say somewhere along the line, he should have said, you know what, I don't. You guys have been doing this for 100 years, but on my watch, you better have some common sense because if anybody gets hurt with this, I'm not going to be – I mean, I'm, ex- I'm expecting everybody to have common sense on this and just say it. That's, that's his policy. But the guy – there's nothing. Does anybody – number? he doesn't know where he stands. I think that's probably true, and that's why I say you, you – when you phrase these investigations this way, you come to the client, if they ask for your recommendation, you say, all right – Let's let's think about the worst thing that can happen, you know, based on, on what we've got in front here, and and tie the stadium in, tie in the donors, tie in the ticket sales, tie in whatever, and say look, these are all considerations. The worst thing that can happen is is, is there a worst case scenario if we go with a, a light touch on this? Is this? Are you prepared to weather the storm? And there's always going to be a storm, and that's that's why yep. you're that's why you're paid the big bucks. That's what you're supposed to be doing with the client, yeah. Like Kevin said yesterday that he was reading all the statements. And, you know, Kevin teaches a management class and just this stuff. And he goes, he goes, you read this stuff, my first thing I would say to the guy if I was in the room, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about the team and these kids. It's not about you. Yes. You know, whatever. And Kevin, Kevin is, I mean, he has a, you and he could really, between the two of you, you guys could give seminars on management. I mean, I don't know if I could be around because you guys know more about it, but it's it's pretty pretty amazing what you guys come up with. I mean, something that even though I, I I try and think about it, I mean, the stuff Kevin came up with yesterday, he was way ahead of me. I'll admit it. Even though I have, if he was here, I wouldn't tell him that, but he was. Well, he'll he'll hear this, and and I would I would consider it a uh, a professional 
well, I, it would be a, a huge step in my professional development, even at my advanced age, to be uh, to be working with Kevin on anything. But but maybe at some point he and I talk about uh, my popping out to Chicago for a, a visit with one of my kids, and uh, I uh, sort of wander down to his uh, to his neck of the woods and and sit down and have a have a we just have a dialogue in front of one of his classes. Yeah, I mean he would do that in a second, I'm sure. He'd put me in the back row. I'd be in the back row. <laughs> I'll be back there with Bob Euchre. <laughs> Good stuff, buddy. Uh, we didn't even get a chance to talk about uh, tankers. We'll do that next week. I, I, I'm stunned that they, they pick and choose who the hell they're going to protect and who they don't, our guys. Yes, yes. Yep, that's like, yeah, how it I, works. Unbelievable. Uh, SP right. Futures up 17, NASDAQ Futures up 111. Have a good weekend, buddy. Be right back. Mr. Dan Janitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Allen, on the board. SP Futures up 17 now, and Nasdaq Futures up 113. This tree is going to grow to the sky, it appears. We have the Professor Dan. I'm here. So are you still 
hunkered down in Florida, or did you flee to Cape Cod like uh, Kenny Polcari and get away from the ridiculous weather? You guys <laughs> I guess that's why he wasn't in Palm Beach when I was over there this past week. I, I, I didn't see him over there. Um, well, now I'm here. We're, we're um, on this coast. Uh, I'm on the West Coast, and on this coast, we're still recovering. In fact, my first neighbor is getting her roof um, as we speak. So it's been 10 months. And we're just we're still in the process of hurricane repairs. It's 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 a long, tedious process, but uh, there is finally light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so, if you're just getting your roof, does that mean there were temporary repairs? There's holes, no AC. What 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 status? Not living there. Uh, I have a tarp on my roof. Wow. Because, because yeah, this is fortunately we haven't had rain, but this is rainy season here. And even with the tarp, you know, it can do some some damage if the um, on a on a day of heavy rain. But I had the leaks in the house and all that, and the inside's been repaired. But now it's just getting the roof done. Good news is that the um, like I said, one person on my street um, is already they've already begun the process. So they've taken the tile off her roof, and I saw the new tile when I got back last night sitting there. So. So that's good. That's uh, progress, and uh, we're all just looking forward to this all being behind us. Well, hopefully, in the next few months here. So what? Uh, I'm not. Don't want to be a prognosticator here because I know nothing. Um, but I do know there's there's some correlation between water temperature in the Gulf and hurricanes. And this morning on the way in, somebody was talking about the the uh, the water temperature off the Keys is 95 degrees. Yeah, I actually, for a short time, I <clears throat> this past weekend, I was over in the West Palm, Palm Beach area, and I did go in the water. And I will tell you, you are not cooled off when you go in the water there. So it is getting pretty crazy. I mean, our our we are definitely part of the uh, heat wave. Um, you know, as I was uh, jokingly talking to my mother yesterday when she was saying it was humid in Boston and it was like 80-something degrees, I said, well, it's a hundred here right now, with probably close to one hundred percent humidity, and it's not raining. <laughs> well, we went from having so, a nasty drought here to now we've had some incredible storms. And last night there were tornadoes heading for the city. For God's sake, I mean, it was, yeah, you know, I heard right yeah. near O'Hare, right? Well, yeah, there was one near O'Hare, but it was one right in the Midway area. As a matter of fact, it uh, whacked into the Menards in uh, Hodgkins, which is oh, you know, wow. a couple of miles southwest of Midway. Uh, you know, it's. Kind of, I mean, it didn't. It wasn't. Uh, it flipped something on some guy's pickup truck, uh, but it wasn't, you know, crazy, crazy. But could have been. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, I got. I got a question for you. And I, I had a couple of, uh, actually, with a lot of new client calls lately, which is nice. Uh, and, and some guys uh, look to me like they should have some money with you, so that would be good too. Um, but I uh, got the last thing I want to do when something goes up every day is be doggy downer uh but i did made the mistake yesterday dan of looking into this nvidia on these numbers now i was around for cisco i mean i wasn't around for the railroads i wasn't around for tv i know that a lot of stuff whenever you get something new obviously the dot-com bomb all that stuff stuff gets so far ahead of itself and you swear people don't know how to read history so i went through yesterday and nvidia's numbers you know which i should never have done and by the way, I'm not giving any kind of advice. This thing could go to the sky. But I went through and I tried to compare it to Cisco's numbers in 2000. So the stock is now trading 444. Okay, so they make 220 a share. So that's 
220-something times earnings. But I don't, I don't really look at the earnings part if something's growing and stuff as much as I do the revenue. The revenue is $10 a share. All right, so now for this, say the, the, the stock stays right here for the next however many years and everything good happens to them, happens to them. Uh, if it never goes up a dime from here, <clears throat> for you to, I mean, a 20 times earnings would be 22 bucks a share, right? Right. So, which means 10 times more than now. And if they maintain their 20% margin, which is hard to do, they're going to have to have $270 billion worth of revenue. And now they've got 26. Uh, how much more how much more imagining a company doing well can we do here <laughs> I mean really yeah no I'm I, I totally agree with you and I, I am not you know I think this has been a good time to lighten up in fact that's what we've been doing on the equity side you know in the in the large and even the small and the and, and even the mega uh, stocks I mean take your take your profits or at least trim your profits in this environment there's, there's actually two different things going on here, Tom. I mean, we've been talking about the seven stocks that are that are really driving this, this market this year. Um, and certainly the CPI news that came out um, shows that inflation is starting to come down and is likely to continue to come down. So that's good news. And the other good news that I've been talking about um, the last few times is just looking at the massive amount of money that's still in the system. And Eddie Ardeni, who is one of my favorite strategists, had mentioned that baby boomer generation has 75 trillion in accumulated wealth. So that money is either gonna get spent or it's gonna be passed on to their children. We, we do have these issues with trying to find help right now. A lot of companies that we talk to, the CEOs still tell me, it's challenging to find good talent. But if you think about it from the point of view, and I was thinking about this as I crossed Alligator Alley yesterday, that the people in the millennial age group who seem to have a different work ethic, not all of them, but some of them, um, they also have a cushion that we didn't have because our parents didn't have money. So they have this inheritance that they know at some point is gonna come to them as long as they remain on good terms with their parents. But what I'm trying to say is that there is a lot of money in the system and the money is gonna get spent and it's gonna get passed down. So that's all of the, the backdrop for the good news, which we've, we've all heard and, and certainly a lot of investors are buying on that and have been buying on that news. Well, the, I do the, think money, the, Fed is, the money well, gonna get passed down, Dan, is 40% higher than it was three years ago because of the that, Fed. Right, and I agree with you on that. Um, I do think the Fed is going to raise again at the end of um, of July, uh, despite that. And I do think that this um, job issue is going to continue to be a slow one. There's been some improvement, but I think it's going to be a slow one to improve. They're still having to pay senior level people a lot more money to keep them on because they can't find people to, you know, these companies can't find people to replace them. But here's something interesting, Tom, that, that is, takes the other side of this and where I, I'm in agreement with you that this is getting carried away. And this is something that most listeners and most, most investors across the board really don't know about because they're not following the niche of the market that I follow. So when we look at high yield bonds, and that's what I've been doing for the past 40 years, 
the spreads are very tight, which means they're very rich, which means they're very expensive. But just like stocks, you have to look at each individual name. You can't just lump them as a whole group and say high yield bonds are doing well or high yield bonds are too expensive. You have to do your homework and that's what we do. Well, one thing that's happened the last few months, basically since the, it's been very quietly happening since the uh, bank uh, crisis, SVP, you know, SVB and, and First Republic and all that, is that liquidity has become, is basically drying up. The bid offered spread on these bonds, on, on a good number of these bonds, is so wide that it makes it very difficult, especially when you're buying short-term bonds, makes it very difficult to either sell or to buy. And you're gonna give up a lot. Well, what do you suppose the what do you I'm suppose sorry. what do you suppose the customer order book? Well it's an it's an over the counter stack, so uh, Nasdaq stack, so my my question here is a little f- funky. What do you suppose the customer order book looks like today in both the stack and the options of NVIDIA? I'm going to say it's non-existent. It probably isn't. I would probably agree with you on that. And I think that's where you have to look behind the, you know, like sort of behind that. And, and that's sort of where I'm coming from when I'm talking about high yield. You have to look behind what's obvious. Yeah. And you have to look behind. And that's exactly what you're saying. And you're using NVIDIA as, exa- and as, as an example of something that is just going to have a you know this this bloat that is happening to that stock because of fear of missing out or you know we're seeing good news in the economy but what i'm talking about is something a little different in that there is a lack of liquidity in certain parts of the market this is exactly what happened in 07 prior to the 08 crisis and it happens in credit i'm agreeing with you i'm just saying it's not just in certain parts i think it's everywhere yeah it is everywhere but it's particularly bad in certain areas and that would be high yield small and micro cap stocks there are some fantastic companies that just you have sold off even the company that we had talked about based in based outside of chicago that comp that company richardson electronics really good company but look at their stock price and the stock price movement it's continued to track track down not because there's anything fundamentally wrong but because of this liquidity issue so with nvidia going back to nvidia you've got a lot of liquidity and you have a lot of liquidity with Amazon and you have a lot of liquidity with Apple. And, and that is why that's the other reason that people are trading those names and staying active in those names. On the other hand, though, those people who are not paying attention to the rest of the market and you are correct, it is the rest of the market. There is this issue of liquidity that I believe is a big issue. And this is the thing that is going to end up, I think, causing the, the market to suddenly um, come back in, in, you know, to reality. And, it, and it's not, those, those seven stocks, and NVIDIA in particular, yeah, they have good p- potential down the road, but I'm talking about stocks that have really good positive uh, free cash flow that have incredibly good potential in the future, and they're trading down, I'm and they're s- very I'm illiquid. Gonna, I'm going to ask you a question here, I, and I know my opinion on this, but I'm going to ask you without leading a witness, how much of that is index-driven? And and that is something I was going to come to. So listen to this statistic. All of the companies, right, if you take the ownership, so every company we do do an analysis on, we look at the ownership, the equity ownership, if we're looking at a stock. So 90% of the ownership in these companies is with three organizations, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. 
And where is all that money held? Well, that's predominantly held in ETFs and index funds. That is not where you want to be right now. This is a stock picker, bond picker environment. If you just follow the lead, everyone's going to get crushed you know, at some point. We, that's just the nature of the cycle. And there are a lot of warning signs that I'm seeing on my side that are very specific, the same type of warning signs that I saw back in 07, 08, when I was talking to all of the long, short equity managers on Wall Street who had been traders, and they're asking me because they knew I was a high yield manager, what's going on? And I said, this is the credit cycle. We are in a tightening credit cycle. That is gonna put downward very, pressure. Very lightly tightening because there's so much cash in the system. Because, that... Exactly, but there is still tightening. It, it's, 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 we're in that part of the cycle. And soft landing or hard landing, I don't think we're gonna have a hard landing, but I think people need to realize that there are things going on in the back and I think you make a good point in that it's almost scary that this amount of money is in so few hands, meaning companies that have ownerships in, in, in stocks. And it's only going to take one blow up or a, or a gradual shift. Now, the gradual shift that I see, and we can use NVIDIA as an example, but the, the other example, I'm going to use Amazon as an example because Amazon is a company that I understand really well. Love, the, love the, the, the company, love what they do. A lot of people have done extremely well with them owning the stock and also as, as consumers. Well, now there's a company that is competing with Amazon at a lower price point called Temu, T-E-M-U. Have you, I don't know if you've heard of that. Yes, but I have. Yeah, and so it's just an entrance into the market, but you know, with, out with the group of friends that all were ranting and raving about it. So I says, well, what happens to your Amazon account? And they're laughing at me. Well, if I can buy that, you know, that whatever, that pair of shorts um, for a third of the price and also get a couple of shirts thrown in, why am I gonna do it through Amazon? So so that level, that's, that kind of competition can still get in the way of even a mega company like Amazon. It might just erode them on the edges, but that that shift to substitution, which we all learned, or some of us learned in economics class way back when, um, the substitution theory says that when prices get too high, people will substitute. So when my cleaning girl um, raised her rates, the substitution was that I do the work, but that's not a good example. A good example would be if you are used to, you know, going to, I was at this, uh, overpriced um, uh, uh, restaurant in, in West Palm Beach, um, just crazy prices, horrible service. And the thing that you say after having that experience is, you know, A, I can do it at home, or B, I can go to the diner down the street with my friends and probably have a much better time and be better service. And more of those, quote, diners are popping up. So there is, I think that is generally happening it's already happening in that substitution theory where people are, they get sticker shock with prices, they're gonna suddenly start going and using other alternatives. Well, that's, that's the or other alternatives are gonna become, are gonna be created. That's, well, that's the American way. It is. The question, now, the question now is, have we become, and I'm not talking about you know putting people in railroad cars, have we become so fascist in our economic system that 
it's really hard to be an entrepreneur now. I, I think it is very hard, uh, Dan. I mean, uh, plus I want to add something to the Amazon situation is I, I remember this, uh, talk about a stupid story. Uh, at Notre Dame, Dan, they were smart enough that finals week, if you had a class at 8 and a class at 9, the final for the 8 o'clock class on a Monday might be Tuesday at 10, and then the final for the 9 o'clock class might be Thursday at 6 at night. They tried to spread it out as much as they could. The University of Chicago did nothing like that. So if you had three classes in a row, you had three finals in a row, which is like really tough. And I was taking extra courses. I wanted to get out early. So I had had no time to study for the marketing test because the other two were so hard. And I get in there, and one of the questions was the wheel of retailing and I sitting there going I have no idea what this is I just made a guess that it had to do with uh, all of a sudden a firm gets in maybe it's a discount store then people want delivery they went all of a sudden they start putting shelves where they didn't have shelves and all of a sudden you can bring stuff back and all of a sudden they become a little higher cost and somebody else down the block opens up your basic store again just like you're talking about and of course I guessed right. The guy gives me an A on the pad. <laughs> it was a total, total yeah. guess. <laughs> total, total guess. It was actually very well written. I, I just hoped that was the answer. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I, I lucked out. And uh, but what you're talking about is when you see a, a firm like Amazon, and, and we've been talking about Amazon on the show for certainly as long as you've been here, and I've been talking about it for 20 years. But the every time you you go a little further, where you're doing the delivery, okay? Now maybe they're pretty good at it. But when they started out, you know, Dan's Dan's running Amazon, and he sells a camera from a guy in North Dakota, and all he's got is I mean, obviously to put the thing together was a lot of money. But what, that camera, your your margin is like, I mean, it doesn't cost you anything for Joe Joe's camera in Rapid City to deliver me a camera for three hundred bucks cheaper than the guy down the block here. You know, by the way, you get. 20 bucks for doing that your, your margin is infinite didn't cost you anything right your, your variable margin but now if you're saying oh wait a minute we're gonna actually have a store where the guy can pick it up or we're gonna I mean whatever it is even if you're gonna be better than UPS UPS's margin is not infinite so even if you're gonna do a better job now on the delivery you're gonna make 10% margin 20% margin still pretty good but it's not infinite so everything you do going on forward you're getting less and less margin. Finally, somebody says, you know what, if I get rid of all these trucks like these idiots at Amazon have and just do what they first started to do, I can do pretty good. And that's what these guys are doing, right? Right. But that, but that happens. I mean, now the question is, Amazon can could go out and get money at 2%. Is Timu got to pay 12% because the government won't give them the dough or the banks won't lend it to them? That's that's the, the problem I have here. Is I, don't, I think the companies that you deal with have... I won't say liquidity problems, but they're not throwing money at them like these big guys. No, I mean, I, you're right, and I don't disagree with you on that, but the, some of the companies that I'm talking about, and I'll throw out two names that I think are fantastic, great management teams, great businesses, Alamo Group, which we've talked about before, ticker symbol ALG, they still have a, a screening by rating by most street analysts, and they have no liquidity issues at all in terms of positive free cash flow. Um, I think I told you the guy. No, no, I'm, talking, I'm, we're, we're diff- I'm sorry to interrupt, but when I say liquidity, I'm saying if they decide they want to expand, they're not getting 2% yes. money like the other guys are. Well, the thing is that because of because of their, it, you know, in the case of a, of a smaller company, yes, they may have to pay up. But in the case, if we're looking at it from an investment point of view, 
These are companies that, when our environment changes, I think have a better chance of performing better over the long run. Um, in terms of the bank issue, if there is an issue with the banks, which there could be, um, especially if rates keep going up, then everyone gets hurt by that. And, and the, the frontline news is going to be, you know, when Amazon getting hurt before it's going to be a company that I'm talking about, which probably is going to squeeze by and do very well because their products are in high demand. And it's very hard barriers, very difficult barriers to enter. And their management is probably better and more nimble, and they're probably making a third of the much money as the guy at Amazon. But they're, but, but, yeah, but it's, it's, uh, they're, they're a very well-run company. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the, that there is this momentum play, if you will, which generally happens at this point in the cycle, right? What's so the, yeah, what's the, the other, what's the other company? Oh, the other company is um, Comfort Systems which makes, uh, they're the largest uh, commercial um, manufacturer of HVAC systems, heat really? and air conditioning sy systems, yeah. And they're, um, both of those companies have done very well. Smaller companies what's that a, What's would, a symbol you know, of that like, one? In time, they're, they're, they're gonna be, you know, we, we have owned them and we own small positions now. We've kind of sold a little bit into the rally, but they've done well despite this liquidity squeeze that we've seen with a lot of other small cap companies. What's their, what's their ticker? Fix F I X. Well, that's an easy one. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So those are two two uh, stock ideas. Um, I would be careful right now buying bonds. We are. I do on the on the bond side. Uh, spreads have tightened so much in high yield. I would not be looking to make money in in corporates or high yield because his spreads are getting to historic lows. High yield bonds are up about nine percent this year. They you know they kind of get lost because it's not everybody's focus but we've made some nice money this year um, but we've also um, a, a number of those bonds are starting to mature because um, we were on the short end and we can buy t-bills I was buying six-month t-bills at five and a half percent did you, you know, uh, no brainer no brainer for your your California or New York clients oh right? yeah did you did you get uh, caught or benefit by the incredible 3.7 to 4.6 back to 3.8 in the 10 year in, in the last five days I don't know because no because we're not we're not playing the the ten year. I mean we're not we're we're only on the short end. We're I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, six. I, I get it. I'm just saying. Wouldn't it have been nice to to, to uh, if I was a day trader? Yes, but I'm not a day no. trader. We're we're long term. You know we're long term focused. And yeah, there there will be opportunities. There absolutely will be opportunities. But that market is really hard. And I'm saying this as a bond guy that came from a bond background. That's I often used um, the analogy of trying to predict the weather. You can you can generally get it right, but but it's you know oftentimes you're going to get um, whipsawed is the word because that's what happens when when uh, rates you know when rates go when prices um, go down rates go up, but when rates um, more importantly go up the prices go down. So we just don't know, and the demand is coming from so many different places right now whether it be overseas investors or people that really do want to hold on to what they've earned people again baby boomers accumulated wealth there might they might have a little personal account where they're they're trading their stocks but most of them i want to believe are smart enough to say okay i want to preserve this capital i no longer have the income that i had what that does is it allows it keeps that money in the system it keeps it keeps that money going so it's not the time to be you know, chasing the tech stocks higher right now. I, you might have another three, six months, but I would say this is the time to be taking some of that off the table. 
taking some of that trade off the table and looking at very specific ideas as we do um, that have really strong positive cash free cash flow and will do well regardless of the market environment the uh what, what do you any thoughts on the the dollar weakness the last four or five days do you let that drive i mean i see it happen and it's all obviously part of the big picture but i'm not it, so sure uh it it's been fantastic news for our gold and silver positions so that's the hedge, um, you know, in terms of having exposure to gold and silver, even during times when maybe they're not doing a lot. I think the dollar uh, weakness is going to be, you know, comes also comes for, to a certain extent from um, the same thing, the interest in the U.S. Treasury market. Um, and there are going to be times where it, where it moves up and down. Again, if you're trying to trade the currency, it becomes very difficult. But if you want to hedge, gold and silver is still looking pretty good. Silver, yesterday, yeah, yesterday for sure. Silver, silver especially looks very attractive, and we've done extremely well as having that as a hedge. There is a fund that we had purchased that has a large gold position. It's an international value fund, um, or it's a global value fund. But their performance during down markets has been spectacular. So you get the upside and the downside. So. Keeping some gold and silver in your portfolio is good. And I know a lot of people who are saying, ah, it's not done much. Well, keep it there. There's a reason you have it there. Um, I guess my, my question is, and I would love the an answer that I could, they all kind of move sort of in consist. Which, is, which leads? That's a really good question. So if um, the thing about gold is I think you have a different investor base. And you also don't have, like with silver, you also have this kicker because it's actually needed in a number of, um, you know, manufacturing, um, whether it be batteries or whether it be cars or, I mean, silver is actually, it's a commodity that is that is um, used, whereas gold is not. Gold right. is simply a measurement. Um, so I'm not sure which one leads. I think silver has more upside. I always have. Um, you I, know, might, I, dollar, might, I might agree with you there. I'm just saying that yesterday we got a dash here, Dan. I, uh, maybe next week we'll talk about it. I mean, if, if you, I mean, if you would have told me, hey, the, the the dollar is is way down today, I would have said, oops, I should have bought more gold, or I should have I should have gone along some TLTs. I mean, I mean, they all they're all they're all moving together, obviously. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is there are there, there are multiple ways of playing it, but again, keeping keeping that hedge in your portfolio is very important. Okay, hey Dan, take care of yourself, buddy. Don't don't uh, swalter too bad down there. Uh, SP futures <laughs> up sixteen, Nasdaq futures up one thirteen. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell, Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 1350, NASDAQ Futures. Uh, up 100, so we're, we're going again up up today. We'll see how long this lasts, but today we're, we're definitely on our way up. Uh, we've got the Dow Futures. Let me get those for a second. Uh, Dow Futures up, uh, well, individual stocks. We've got NVIDIA up another 427. Dow Futures up 68. The Dow is not moving up as much as the other stuff. Goldman Sachs up 2 bucks. Uh, we've got Boeing up $1.79. Caterpillar buck for everything, everything in the Dow except uh, Travelers is up. So Travelers is down 245. So that's the only Dow stock down pre-market. The rest of them are up. So we're bullish today. Looks like another day. Everybody's got more money at the end of the day. That's that's a good thing. Um, big big rally over in Asia. We've got Nikkei up 475, 1.5%. Hang Seng up 2.6%. But just back over 19,350, they were just here like last week. And we're flying down under, flying back up. Shanghai up 41.3%. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 95.6%. FTSE up 25.3%. Jack around up 598 So bullish uh europe has been bullish pretty much all along so uh everybody's uh, you know everybody thinks the future looks bright especially with that cpi number yesterday uh yesterday dow was up 86 s p up 32 nasdaq up 158 um bonds 
Uh, down two basis points, 3.84. The Bund down eight basis points, 2.46. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.47. We've got oil, uh, actually it was creeping up a little earlier, but now it's down 12 cents, 75.63, but it's up, eh, pushing 10% in the last few weeks. Brent up two, 3 cents, 80.14. Natural gas up a penny, 2.65. Our Bob unchanged, 2.65. Um, gold up 240, 19.64. Silver up 28 cents, 24.59. Copper up 4 cents, 3.89. We've got crypto up 177, 30,490 that stays in this middle 30,000 range. Kind of not really doing much, just hanging there. Uh, the dollar is a big number today. Um, the dollar is uh, down again as the pound is almost 112, and the euro is over 130, which it hasn't been in quite a while. So the dollar is getting clobbered here. That's why gold is up and oil is up. Uh, Andrew, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, it is uh, 737 here in Chicago on July 13th. Uh, Going to be starting off with some sports. Uh, no baseball yesterday or today, uh, but tomorrow we look forward to the uh, see the White Sox playing the Braves at 6:20 p.m. and the Cubs playing the Red Sox at 7:05 p.m. and the Diamondbacks are going to be playing the Blue Jays at 6:07 p.m. That's all Chicago time. Over to Chicago weather, it's currently 67 degrees. We've got cloudy skies right now. We're going to have a high of 78 today and a very, very slight chance of rain. Looks like no more than 6%. Uh, and over in Phoenix, they currently still have that excessive heat warning, uh, but it's at 93 degrees right now. They're going to have a high of 109. That's going to hit around 6 p.m. And now, finally, for Chicago traffic, a lot more red than we saw in our first hour. Uh, thankfully, it looks like the earlier accidents have cleared on the major expressways. But if you're coming in on that Kennedy, expect uh, expect pretty heavy delays all the way from Lawrence Avenue basically to downtown. And looks like that's the same if you're going outbound as well. Uh, but let's see, on the uh, Eisenhower, we have uh, all the way from Wedgwood to Western Avenue is pretty clogged up as well. Uh, but again, thankfully, these accidents are cleared. So just that good old traffic. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Uh, do we have Mr. Flanagan? Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing good. Did you, uh, that thing I sent you yesterday was interesting, wasn't it? About housing and uh, prices and being, and how people are uh, struggling to, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll say, you know, in, in some of these areas, housing prices are so high people can't uh, afford them. And they were talking about the one in Baton Rouge and how the, the prices down there are only like 265 and so forth. Yeah, I, I, mean, I was talking to the guy who cuts my hair the other day. He was showing me a picture of a house a friend of his and their wife bought in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. And this this was a beautiful property. It was, I think it was like right around 200000 But you got a lot of houses, you got a lot of land. You know, some places, you know, you could do a lot better if you have reason to live in these places. Some of them don't offer the same thing maybe Chicago does when it comes to job opportunities. But... Uh, it's pretty disparate when you look around the country. I think and see what some people are, are forking over to just have a roof over their head. Well, we you know we keep talking about these these numbers and affordability, and and clearly on the one hand, uh, you know Dan was talking about um, the uh, uh, you know the the wealth that is going to go from generation to generation. Well, I don't think there's any question that uh, 40, 35, 40 percent of that wealth has just been created by new money i mean yep. uh, and it and the uh and you just you know i mean i guess we've, we've we've certainly blown up you know the the wealth bubble for people but now we're left with the inflation underside of that and you know the question is 
can people put up with it? Can you get away with it? Can you keep pushing it? Now, clearly, I think the people who are benefiting from it, uh, we just talked earlier about Pepsi, obviously has been able to raise prices more than the quantity demanded has gone down. So if, if you're in that spot, you think inflation is terrific. If you're in a government, it's, it's terrific. But for the people that you and I know, it's not so hot. You know, and uh, now the question is, where does that dynamic, uh, does, does the Fed or the people in charge, Biden and, the, and the, the other creatures that are in Washington, do they say enough's enough, or do they just keep pushing and say we haven't had a revolt yet? <laughs> Let's keep going. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I, mean I, don't, I don't know. What we're talking about, there was an article, I just so it's not just me, it had to do, uh, uh, there's an outfit, I don't know who these guys are, but um, the, uh, you know, and again, it comes down to my uh, CPI numbers. These guys, in terms of his Black Knight or somebody who did this, they said it, it now takes 34% of the median household income to make principal and interest payments on a median priced home, with 20% down using a 30% fixed rate mortgage. Well, the, the uh, CPI number has your uh, uh, implied rent of your own, of an owner-occupied home is 24%. Now, that's supposed to include insurance and probably taxes. Well, the number is really 34 without insurance and taxes. Right. So, so I mean, okay, uh, you know, there's only so long you can be peeing on my shoes and tell me it's raining before I realize you're peeing on my shoes. I mean, uh, I, mean it's, I guess where, where do we... Where, where, where does this clash, John, or, or do our guys wake up quick enough and say this is as far as we can go, like, for a while, and then and back off a little bit so everybody sort of survives? So, or do they just, I've heard people on TV say the consumer always finds a way. He always finds a way. Yeah, you find a way. In the last three years, credit card debt's up 35%. That's the way? It clearly has become the way, Tom. And it's something that Nancy and Audrey and you and I have talked about in other shows about um, certainly that, you know, this is not a, a, the same sort of crunch in some cities as it is elsewhere. I mean, I mean, values have not skyrocketed everywhere. To some extent, housing values in Chicago lag behind everybody else's really after 2008. So it, it's been unequal in, in the kind of hurt that people experience. And it, it, it's, it's, I guess in some ways it balances out nationwide. There's a pain factor involved, but it isn't equally felt everywhere. But what's more concerning to me now is what's happening on the commercial side. We've talked about this too. Um, there's an article, I think a couple of days ago, Business Insider that you know is predicting that from now till 2025, there's gonna be a 30 to 35% drop in commercial real estate values in Chicago and New York a bigger drop in San Francisco and a somewhat smaller drop in LA, Washington and Boston, but but major drops everywhere. And I think at some point that's going to take a tremendous toll on the residential real estate market and you'll probably see it um, most acutely in the cities where the drop off in commercial values is biggest because all of these lenders, pension funds, whatever, that are stuck with these white elephant buildings um, are going to experience you know, a write-off or write-down in their asset portfolio simultaneously with all the others nationwide. So there isn't going to be any market that's immune from what's happening on the commercial side of it. And that's going to you know, really constrict credit. It's going to drive up the cost of borrowing for everybody 
whether they're buying commercial or residential real estate. And I think we've only begun to see how these two forces are kind of headed for you know a fatal collision where it's going to be, you know, there should be every reason why residential values would be rising in some market, but the cost of borrowing is going to be so steep because of what's happened on the commercial side that it's going to you know depress everything all over. And I, I don't see that there's any clear survivors in that kind of smash up. I just don't think that any big city is in a better position than any other right now to, you know, overcome that. Well, I don't, uh, um, you know, it, it's always been uneven, John. I mean, the, the yeah. state of Texas, I remember in 2007, 2008, they almost didn't get hurt at all because they, their prices never went up. You know, the oil was doing lousy and a bunch of other stuff. So their median home price was never got into the 260 range. They were always in the 175 range. So when everybody else dropped back down to 175, they just were sort of steady. You know, I mean, it, um, so it, you're right. It is it is always local in terms of yeah. which one is which. But I, I'm surprised. I mean, you and I keep talking about, you know, these things don't seem, uh, uh, you know, you never can – you, you never really know when the clash is going to happen. But when you see things, you know, a whole group of people that used to be able to afford their homes and all of a sudden can't. I mean, I didn't know when the 2008 fiasco was going to happen, but I knew people said that the entire neighborhoods of people couldn't afford their current home they were in. Now, now you got the situation where uh, some people are in homes, and even if the, the repair value, I mean, with the prices going up, the the cost of uh, replacement of a home, I mean, uh, I mean, I I don't know some of these places that Audrey has sold. I mean, uh, you know, somebody might pay six seven hundred thousand for them, and she sold a few houses like that. I don't see very few of them, but once in a while I'll see one and I go, man, I don't think I can put this place up for six hundred grand. You know, at today's prices, I mean, I don't, right. I, I don't think don't, I come close. Don't. So it seems like there's a lot of kind of stuff all, all pointing in the same direction and. Yet nothing's happened. Everybody seems cool. I, you know, I, well, you, you, you combine what, what you were just talking about with the fact that insurance is becoming a much more precious commodity now because you've got wholesale evacuations by insurers from entire state uh, markets. Yeah, didn't farmers just leave gonna, Florida yesterday? Florida, yeah, and, and you know, this is California. Is that State Farm? I think maybe one or two others that have either you know cut back or have cut out. Of, of insurance properties there. Well, you know, that, that will cause tremendous problems for anybody who's trying to get, you know, a federally insured loan, for starters, let alone, you know, anybody who just wants to preserve the, the roof over their head in the event of some natural disaster or some unforeseen accident. And I, I just think what that's going to do, not just to, you know, residential real estate values, but to commercial real estate values too, is it's just going to be a gigantic suppression, and I don't. There's no way I don't. I don't think that this can even out. I mean, if it's that expensive for an insurance company to do business statewide, and there's been some underwriting decision, we can't go into the state at all. I mean, this is like redline redlining taken to some kind of fantastic extent, where nobody can, you know, buy property with any kind of expectation that you could be reimbursed for an insurable loss. And I, I just see that as, as fatal to real estate. I, just, I see it as fatal to state economies. I don't, I don't know how this can continue. And it's, it's not as if these, you know, there's going to be fewer 
states that are boycotted by these insurance companies. I think it's going to be more and more. Well, I don't. I mean, I there's a, there's a a lot of stuff going on here, Jen. And I, to be honest with you, I I've been around a while and I don't understand it. I don't. I don't. Just on a very simple, stupid level, I don't see how every in the last year or two after they had. A, a couple of good years during COVID because nobody was driving, and so there was very few wrecks. Although there were actually more fatalities, right? Because the wrecks were harder. Uh, the last year or so, State Farm, Allstate, everybody says they all lost a fortune on auto insurance because the cost of repairing a car is is absolutely to the moon. Uh, okay, every commercial you see at every at every football game, every baseball game, everything is is auto insurance. So. Okay, there, there seems to be somewhat of a disconnect there. Although I, I, I will say this, I got to believe, I mean, I just, um, well, we have a roof issue in my place, and the guy wants essentially 35% more, near as I can gather, to make apples equal apples, maybe 40% more than he charged me four or five years ago for the other, I'll say four years ago, for the other roof. Uh, okay, so... I don't know that Allstate and State Farm and these people, when a hurricane whacks into Florida and there's not a whole lot of roofers around, Dan was just saying he's he's just due to get his, and that was, what, a year ago? You know, yeah. nine, 10 months ago? Uh, I got to believe that Dan's roof is going to cost 35% more than any of these insurance companies thought it would cost two years ago. And so I don't know how you deal with that as an insurance company because. It's not like 15 new roofers popped up and all of a sudden, you know, the, the prices are the same and there, there's any kind of competition. I'm not saying there's no competition in roofing, but there's not that much. I mean, there's, there's, there's not, you don't go from 20 roofers to 100 because all of a sudden you need them. Uh, I mean, I, there, there's a lot of stuff going here. It's combinations of places. It's for years nobody nobody went or needing a roofer or there's all kinds of crap happening all kind of turn, seemingly coming together ending up in the wrong place and i don't really know how to keep a handle on it i'd be honest with you no I, it, tom you know the insurance industry i think is something that you know there was a, a quite a, a stink raised several months ago when ed dow and a couple other people you know were being interviewed and released you know books on the subject of how disability claims and death claims in the insurance industry has skyrocketed uh, in the last two years. Well, and death claims aren't claims; they're they're real. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, <laughs> a claim only until the check clears. You might claim you're disabled, yes. either either <laughs> dead or you're not. You don't claim you're yes, dead. Yes, but it's been incurred. You know, they got to yeah. they got to start to figure out what they what they're going to do once they pay that money out because it's going to happen. Uh, but but that you know was a, a, I think kind of a wake up call to the insurance companies and they can kind of segregate maybe some of these losses depending on how they're structured or how their, their state regulators allow them to separate reserves between you know casualty or property claims and disability employment claim whatever and but i think that the industry is clearly under pressures that they have not experienced overall in such a, a compressed time frame and i don't think they know you know what to do about it other than to play it really safe. And I think a lot of it, you know, their decision to withdraw from some of these states is because it isn't so much that they're in, in dire financial straits today, but there's been such an explosion in their payouts that they fear unless they do something at, at some end of it, you know, maybe to try to sell more insurance in some states where their losses haven't been as great, 
and to cut out of those places where they can't sustain such losses. But but it's not just you know property and casualty; it's all these other insurance claims that, that unaccountably, unless you listen to some some people about why they've exploded, are going to you know put such pressure on these companies that a lot of them aren't going to be able to survive. Well, if they'll be I mean, in receivership, you'll have a lot of disputes, litigation, and everything else. I I just see that that's a whole layer to. The, you know the real estate conundrum that you and I have witnessed you know all of our lives and our parents told us about what they experienced too but this is it's such a confluence of horrible things all at once that nobody really has a way out of this no, well, nobody's been down this road before. one thing that seems odd to me Jen is when we, when we were youths uh, you know when you went to Florida you pretty much went to Miami you know I mean there what percentage of the coastline was built up was probably very small. Now I don't know if this has to do with state insu- state insurance companies, whether it's a state thing or whether it shouldn't be. I, I don't I don't know enough about the industry. I'd love to have somebody to explain it to me, Lucy. Uh, but somehow or another, we have these hurricanes, all right. And, and whether there's more or less, you know, I don't know. But th- every couple of years, we're going to get a couple of bad ones. It appears. Now that might be Florida. It might be Carolina. It could be New York. It could be. Boston. I mean, they're, anywhere up the coast now, it, you know, they're, they're liable to hit anywhere. And it seems like we're going to average one or two a year that are going to cause some problems. I mean, you know, hopefully it'll, you know, that's, just, that's all and it's not three or four. Somehow if you, if you, all the people that have this coastline property, you know, you're talking about Louisiana, you're talking uh, the Redneck Riviera and Alabama. I mean, you're talking about all these places. If somehow or another they all were in the same pool somehow, and we knew we were going to get one or two a year someplace, I suspect that somehow or another we we could pull this off. But now, if the last couple happened to be in Florida, but then a couple before that were in Louisiana, right, or Alabama, then there was the year where the one ran into, where'd it go in South Carolina? Hurricane Hugo. You know, ran right into, was it Charles? Someplace down there. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, so, I don't know. It's, it seems to me that there's an amazing amount of coastal development that if you could somehow yoke the entire hurricane area together and everybody paid a quote fair price and you just knew that every year somebody's going to get it stuck where the sun don't shine there must be some issue state to state that somehow the if florida gets hammered you can't use the money from carolina i mean i don't know i don't know the answer we, we need to get somebody on who does somehow or another they must be separate pools or something, where now all of a sudden the problem is Florida. Well, this year it might be, hopefully it's nowhere, but it might be Texas. You know, it could be Galveston again. I mean, I mean who knows? But, and it, but somehow or another, why, why pick a state? Because this summer it could be Texas. I mean, I, right? I mean, what am I missing? Oh, and, you know, it has more to do, I think, Tom, than the, the patterns of habitation, resort development, the desirability of vacation spots on the waterfront. This this has been really transformed in our lifetime. I mean, there was there were always attractions to go to places where you, you had oceanfront property or Atlantic City or someplace like that that you know made it a, a desirable vacation spot. But it's it's changed, I think, in such a way where the amount of money, the amount of, of real estate value that is right up against the coastline in every state, really. And you, know, and you can find even in the poorest states, the ones with, with some of the, you know, the, the least attractive real estate, maybe overall, but they have beautiful oceanfront properties and lots of them. And people who 
maybe are just part-time residents, but they've got millions invested in homes and golf communities and all this other stuff. It, it, it doesn't make any, any difference if you have a bad or a good year for hurricanes. You're going to have tremendous losses anyway. Just because well, of but I mean, but you're, but you're enough to take a direct hit. But I think, in in some ways, Jan, again, I have to do the math. In some ways, we're way better off than we were 80 years ago if a if a hurricane hit Miami because they're the only people paying. And now you've got oh. thousands of miles of coastline that are all developed. And actually, you should be better off if they were all in the same pool. Well, if you, if you could equalize your losses. Or you know, borrow from one to, to support the other, and as you say, this is there has to be some kind of, you know, certainly it's being tracked, so they know what their losses are in state A versus state B. Well, this year, this year it's all Florida, but why? You right. know, so, so you're going to say in, in next year maybe South Carolina yeah. or New Hampshire? Or, look, look what's happening with flooding up. You know, well, look Vermont. at what New York when it flooded the uh, yeah. subways and everything. Yeah. So I mean, no, it's 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 just a matter of you know when and to what extent but it isn't like I, I don't think you have to look to you know ideas of climate change or anything else to think we're in a different world now i i don't think that's necessarily the case at all anyway but we've got more impact now for whatever thing kind of well, i think like part of the impact jan and uh sorry to interrupt is that when when you and i were young you know some hurricane would hit and it'd be the boondocks now right. wherever exactly. they hit that's there's point yeah wherever they hit there's people there right and, and, I mean, the whole state of Florida, uh, as an example, anything, I mean, the interior of Florida for a long time was, you know, it was undeveloped. I mean, that, that's, a, I guess, a kind word for it. Yep. My dad told me what it was like when he was in the Army in Camp Landing down in northern Florida. Oh, in God. I mean, he was fascinated by it, but he's, <laughs> there was nothing there, really. Mosquitoes and, and alligators. Right. <laughs> you know, the alligator sent off her hand. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I got... No love for the topography of Florida. I mean, it's beautiful, I guess, but uh, but 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 I mean, it's, I guess at some level, it's a great success story that has has become the destination for so many retirees and places like the villages and, and all around Orlando. I mean, these have just cropped up within the last fifty years and turned into, you know, like little Dubai is or Qatar's or something. But that that you you know you pay a price for that eventually. And it, you know, I don't think people would necessarily want all that stuff away from Florida. But having it in Florida and sustaining whatever other risks you're exposed to because of your geographic you know, situation, it, it all comes with a price. And the price is getting bigger and bigger all the time. Well, yeah, and I don't uh, – there must be something squirrely in the, in the way – because I, I know people that, that, that got whacked by hurricanes. The guy used to trade right next to me in the pit. His parents had a place in uh, – it was Biloxi somewhere, and they were – Across from the, you know, there was a beach, and then there was something, and there was the road, and then there was their place, and they got whacked by one of those hurricanes that hit there. I don't know how many years; it was a long time ago. I was still trading, so it must have been the late, maybe two thousand. And uh, and he said, all was left was the slab. They, they don't know where anything was. I mean, we just, I mean, where were the washing machines? Where was the dresser? I mean, it was, I don't know where the hell it all, because there was nothing there. And and all of a sudden, the insurance company said, uh. Looks to us like it's uh, water and not wind, and you're not insured for water. But nobody there, nobody there saw it, you know. So I mean, I don't know if it was a the storm surge or the wind or a combination. So I think they settled eh, two, three years later, maybe forty, fifty cents on the buck. I mean, uh, you know, they I don't know how, but now they now now does that 
pool and that go together with the Florida pool? I mean, I well, you I know, don't. people I know again, you know, steep increases in their you know property insurance up here in Chicago suburbs. You know, the, the insurance rep is telling them, well, it's because of you know, all the storms, all the other things we're, we're paying our claims on. And I, I suppose that is true. But well, it, but Audrey's area, uh, there was a hailstorm out there. And yeah. uh, she knows some people that got some roofs, and the roofs were all replaced, and uh, 80, 90, 100 grand for a roof. I, I, would, I would never have guessed that, John. And I try and keep current on this stuff. I mean, you know, th- these are nice homes, but they're not, you know, they're not a Lake Geneva mansion, for God's sake. Well, you know, they're they're. Well, you know, I mean, I, last time I put a roof on, on this place here, it's a flat roof and a two flat. But I, I fully expect the next time I get an estimate, it's going to be more than double with that last one. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, but now yours, you can't you can't pin yours to a storm, and you're not going to get a settlement. You're just going to pay for it, right? And of course, you know that <laughs> that's part of the problem too. I guess. Yeah. No, nobody. Nobody can really absorb, you know, a $20,000 roof expense. No, no. There's nobody, they're also nobody. trying to pay for college for a kid. No, no way. Yeah, you're not. Or business or anything else. You'd, you'd, have have to be, you'd have to be getting an uh, increase in your salary of 8% a year for the last 15 years, and nobody's gotten that. I mean, we might have got no. a promotion and got I mean, it. Somebody will dump the, the property before they do that. Oh, sure. Well, John, take care of yourself, buddy. Thank you very much. Maybe I'll even see yeah. you one of these days. Um, S&P futures up 18. NASDAQ futures up 118. We're keeping going here so far. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.